It's great to be uh, speaking with you today. And I wanted to say thank you so much for the way that you've welcomed us and welcomed us as a whole family. Um, your kindness, your, uh, yeah, just your warm welcome, it's been really encouraging for us as a family. We're really excited to be here with you all. We're so grateful for your prayers. And we can't wait to meet you all uh, when we can. And we're looking forward to getting to know you. And I want to speak today on resurrection power. Resurrection power. The resurrection of Jesus is a historical event. It's a concrete truth. But it's also a dynamic reality that has shifted something in the very fabric of our universe in a way that couldn't have more significance for each of us this year in 2021 as we go about our everyday lives. The Apostle Paul prays in Ephesians that you may know God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. He writes in Philippians, I want to know Christ and yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. In Romans he writes, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you because of his spirit who lives in you. And this is a time, a season, a moment when we need to experience afresh the reality of resurrection, the power of the resurrection in our lives. Because it's been a year and each of us will have our own experience of how we've got through the last year with all its kind of ups and downs. For Beth and I, just January last year, Beth's mum, Sarah, one of the people I most admired in the world, um, died of cancer. And it was quite a thing to kind of work through. And in February, we, we buried Sarah. And it, it, it kind of really shakes your faith to bury someone who you're so close to. And it, it forces you to think again, like, do I really believe this? Do I really believe that Jesus is going to take Sarah through death and into eternal life? That Sarah too will rise? And what I found is that actually this is the only thing. This is the only thing ultimately that gives hope. That promise, that truth of the resurrection. That, 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 that is sure ground. I can put my weight on it. I can build my life on it. It's not going to give way. And... That has made such a difference. And then just as we came out of the first lockdown, I was walking along the pavement, uh, Stone Square in, in central London. And as I was walking along, this car mounted the pavement in front of me, going about 30 miles an hour, drove along the pavement, hit me very rudely, and um, knocked me up onto the bonnet, onto the windscreen. I smashed the windscreen, went flying off into the air. And, um, and as I came to on the pavement, there's lots of blood and police and paramedics. And uh, I just remember the paramedic saying to me, they like, were checking me over, and he said, do you know what? I think you're okay. He said, it's a miracle you're not seriously hurt. And they put me in the back of an ambulance just to get me checked out at the hospital. And I was kind of lying on the back of this uh, ambulance and thinking, that could have been it. Like, I was just walking down the road on the way to pick up my daughter from school. That could have been it. And I started, it just brought this huge clarity to me. Like, what is my life actually about? What do I want to do in my life? I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to help people get to know Jesus better. It's like the crisis brought a moment of real clarity for me. And I think this last year, for all of us in different ways, has been a real clarifier. In the midst of the challenges, as things have been shaken, it's helped people to see, actually, am what I, is what I'm standing on firm ground? Is it going to hold my weight? 
Am I building my life on secure foundations? And people are kind of realizing and asking, maybe some of the things I've been striving for in my life, they're not going to cut it. Even if I do manage to grip hold of them at some point, they're not going to ultimately satisfy me. And I think people are starting to ask these questions like, what, what, what do I really want my life to be about? Is there more? I think we have this opportunity, this extraordinary opportunity in this season to reach out, to help those in need, to bind up the brokenhearted, to come alongside people with comfort and encouragement in the midst of all these challenges and opportunities in our city, our communities, our workplaces, our homes, our families, with our friends. But to do that, to respond to this moment, we're going to need to experience afresh the power of the resurrection in our day-to-day lives. And the first thing we see in this passage is that Jesus demonstrates resurrection power. This is still the day Jesus rose and he appeared first to the women, then he appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then in the evening, as the rest of the disciples are still trying to work out what else is going on, uh, he appears in the room with them, right in the midst of them. And he says, peace be with you. And they're a bit startled and a bit thrown and frightened because obviously people don't normally appear in the middle of the room, certainly not when they've been dead for a couple of days. And Jesus says, you know, why are you troubled? Why do the doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. It's me. Touch me and see. It's remarkable. Jesus, I find this extraordinary. Jesus is the hero of heaven. Just done the most extraordinary thing that will ever be done in the history of the world. He's taken the sin of the world on his shoulders on the cross redeemed us by his blood, conquered death. And because of that, billions will worship him for all eternity. And how does he celebrate? He goes and hangs out with his mates. Stops by unannounced on a Sunday evening. Hi. So intimate, it's so personal. Jesus demonstrates the most awesome power the world has ever seen. What's described as the incomparably great power of God, the mighty strength of God, that he's risen, that he's alive, that he has resurrected, but he demonstrates it in a way that his friends can really understand. See, touch, here I am. It's me. This is my body, still the same body. Look, these are the scars in my hands, in my feet. It's me. Resurrection power is extraordinary, but it doesn't obliterate won't obliterate you. It won't obliterate your identity or your humanity or even your body. Renews, it restores, it transforms, it takes who we are and it transforms us. Jesus is the living, walking, breathing demonstration of resurrection power. The resurrection is an event, but it's also a person. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he says to them, look, this is what I told you when I was still with you, that everything is going to be fulfilled that was written about me. And this is what was written, that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead. And he doesn't just tell them, he shows them. doesn't just say it, he does it. My dad uh, grew up in Barnsley in South Yorkshire. And when he was growing up, he was severely dyslexic. And at those days, they didn't really diagnose it in schools. And so he had a really tough time at school. When he was 15, he left education. And he went to work uh, in the mines uh, in South Yorkshire as, a, as an electrician in the mines. And um, he, one night, he just came home and, still quite young, turned on the radio and happened to hear Billy Graham preaching and heard the gospel and 
knelt down in his kitchen and became a Christian, gave his life to Christ right there and then. First person in his family. And almost from the word go, he was gripped by this passion to help people in China understand who Jesus is. And there were just a couple of challenges with that. Um, China's quite far from Yorkshire, and um, <laughs> he didn't speak Chinese, didn't speak Mandarin or Cantonese, and, um, but not to be put off, he went to Bible college, met my mum, she was a teacher, she could help him a bit, and they both had this joint passion uh, to see people in a Chinese nation come to know Jesus, and so they learned Mandarin, and then they had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle after obstacle come in their path. And they, it looked like there was no way that they would ever be able to fill this dream. And then suddenly the obstacles started to unloosen. And it got to a moment where they had the tickets to go. They had the opportunity to go. They even had the finance to go. And they could go, they thought. But at the last minute, it was the 70s. There was a financial crisis. The Bank of England imposed currency control. And the whole trip died. And my dad went, had been asked to go and speak at a church in Birmingham that Sunday. So he went up miserable. He spoke miserably. He sat down after the service miserable. And he was basically just saying to God, God, I don't understand. You've opened all these doors. They've all been shut. Now they've all opened. And then the last one's shut. And I don't understand what's going on. I'm so confused. And people were leaving the church. And at that moment, this guy walked in at the back of the church. And he just looked a bit confused. He looked around a bit lost. And he came forward, and my dad, my dad kind of looked at him and said, are you okay? Can I help you? And the guy was like, oh, I don't know, actually. Um, I don't normally come to this church. My dad was like, oh, sorry. Um, you know, I, he was like, well, I, have I missed the service? And my dad was like, yeah, 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 a bit miserable. And uh, he, he said, well, oh, that's, oh, that's a shame. He said, I normally go to a church on the other side of Birmingham, but for some reason I thought I should come here today. My dad was like, well, sorry missed the service. And the guy said, oh. And there was a pause. And then he looked at him and he said, Look, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm head of currency control at the Bank of England. Is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> my, my dad is the person my dad most needed to meet with the power to transform his situation at just the right time. It's one thing to say it, though. It's another thing to be it and to do it. And on Monday morning, my dad was able to go with this guy into the Bank of England, get all the authorizations signed, and off they went. And so much has flown from that one encounter at the back of a church in Birmingham. It's one thing to say, it's another to do it. You know, our greatest need, our greatest need is redemption and resurrection. It's one thing to Jesus Will, Jesus to say it will be fulfilled. It's another thing for him to do it, to die on the cross and to rise and to stand in front of his friends and to demonstrate resurrection power to them. And that means that you can know whatever you face today, even the, the greatest, most immovable obstacles in your life will only ultimately end up serving God's purposes. They killed Jesus. He was in the tomb. It tells you that everything you do can be endowed with an eternal significance. It tells you that Jesus is completely trustworthy. The scripture is the word of God. It tells you you can build your life on his promises and you won't ultimately be disappointed. It tells you you don't have to fear that you're missing out by following Jesus. Look at Jesus and you see the nature of this resurrection power. That in the midst of death brings life. 
that turns despair into hope, that turns tragedy into joy, that turns weakness into strength, that turns disgrace into vindication, that turns wounds into marks of glory, that turns even death into life, that turns defeat into the moment of victory. It's powerful to fulfill God's purposes through the very events which seem to destroy them. Jesus demonstrates resurrection power. But then the second thing we see in this passage is that the resurrection power in you will transform the world around you. Jesus says the Messiah is to suffer and be raised on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. He says, you're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But first, wait till you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus promises them resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. I imagine it's hard for the disciples in that moment to hope that they might actually be clothed with the same power that has raised Jesus from death to life. That the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead would live in them. Tim Keller tells the story of a minister visiting Italy and he saw this grave of a guy who had died a few centuries before and this guy, very hostile to faith and didn't like it at all, and didn't believe in the resurrection, but also was a, bit, a little bit scared it might happen. <laughs> and so he kind of doubled his bets, he, he kind of had his grave, and then he, he paid for an, an enormous, enormous stone slab to be placed over his tomb, just to stop him in case. And, and then he had engraved on the slab all these emblems and writing to say, I don't want to be resurrected, pass me by, I don't believe in the resurrection. But what happened was when he was buried, it it seems like a a tiny acorn must have rolled into the grave with him. And so over the decades and and centuries that have followed, this acorn had grown up, and actually this plant had had cracked through this stone slab. So as the minister looked at it, there was this towering oak tree bursting through the midst of this slab. And he thought, if an acorn, which only has the power of biological life in it, can do that, Imagine what an acorn of resurrection life can do in me. Think of the situations you face today, the relationships you long to be different, the workplaces you long to see transformed. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from death to life lives in you, you can know, you can experience, you can bring with you into those places resurrection power. And that makes all the difference when you're trying to bring change in a sector, when you're trying to transform an institution, when you're trying to embed values in a company, when you're trying to lead with integrity in your hospital, when you're being kind to those you work alongside in your school, as I know you are because I've heard the stories. Sowing your energy, your skills, your gifts, and trusting God to multiply them. Jesus says it will be preached will, not might be preached, not may be preached, not could be preached, but will be preached. Why? Because Jesus sends you in the authority of his name for the spirit who gives resurrection power. And the spirit of God is always prompting you, pushing you, nudging you, leading you into places where you can bear witness to Jesus. Something the Spirit loves to do. The Holy Spirit loves to reveal Jesus to people. 
to take what you invest, what you say, what you do, and to breathe his power on it. And if you feel inadequate, if you feel a bit weak, so much the better. When I started work as a barrister, you have to go through this kind of year-long job interview. And it's, there were nine of us vying for one place. You do a year-long job, and then one of you gets the place. It's a little bit like The Apprentice meets The Hunger Games. And I, um, I was a bit nervous about it, because I felt called to do it. But, I, but everyone else, all the other nine, felt like they were much more uh, affluent, uh, from better backgrounds, much more articulate, much more wealthy than me. And I felt slightly out of place. That wasn't necessarily my background. And so the first week I was quite nervous and desperate to do well. And at the end of the first week, we went to the pub. And there was a couple of the other apprentices there and lots of senior people. And one of the other apprentices had worked out, even in that first week, that I was a Christian. And uh, it's a bit like the Hunger Games. So we, we were in the pub and he said to everyone, he said, oh, has anyone seen that new film by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ? And I was, you know, sipping my pint blissfully unaware of what was about to happen. And uh, someone said, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and people were chatting about it. Someone said they liked it. Someone said they didn't like it. And then he turned to me and he said, have you seen it, Stephen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, what do you think of it? Because you're a Christian, aren't you? And I kind of froze. I was like a deer in the headlights. I was like, what? Now? This is a moment now. And this is not what I had planned. I was thinking, I had a plan. I was thinking I could work really hard for a year, get a job, then I could impress everyone in my job, and then once, after a couple of years, when I'd won everyone's trust, everyone knew I was normal and very competent in my job, I could mention on a Monday morning, over coffee, if someone asked me what I did at the weekend, I went to church. That was my plan. This was at the end of the first week with all the senior people. And it was a little bit like the music stopped, all the senior people kind of leaned in, and um, I said, you know, two roads opened up in front of me, and I thought, oh, well, I've been asked a direct question. So I said, uh, I, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I am a Christian. And you know, they, they went back to the original sources, and they speak Aramaic. So I guess it's authentic in that sense. And then one of the senior people kind of leaned forward, so polite, and said, oh, Stephen, I'm delighted to hear that you've got a quiet, personal, private faith. Um, couldn't be more happy about that. You know, the only Christians we kind of worry about is those Christians, I mean, you've probably never met one, but they, they really believe in telling other people about their faith and evangelism and things like that. I mean, you're not one of those kind of Christians, are you? And two roads open up in front of me, and I was like, what? how do I respond to this? I was, I was like, oh, well, I guess, uh, I mean, if I believe it's true, and I, I do, that it's so important it would be, it'd be strange if I didn't speak to anyone about it. And he said, of course, of course, if someone expressed an interest and you were able to talk about it in an appropriate way to that person, that would be wonderful. Couldn't think of anything better than that. Um, I guess what I'm really getting at is there are some Christians out there, I doubt you've ever met one, but, but they kind of believe in miracles and the Holy Spirit and things like that. I mean, you're not one of those kind of Christians, are you? And two roads opened up to me. I was like, it's like first week at work. Like, how have I got here? How have I got here? Pint still in hand. And I said, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm in now. So I was like, well, you know, when I read the New Testament, it, it looks like those sort of things happened in the early church. And so I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't be available for us as a church today. And actually, yeah, I've, I've got some experience of those things. And as I walked away, 
from the pub. I was like, Lord, help. Like, this is going to be the shortest career of any barrister anyway. Because I I'd felt like I was a bit flustered. I felt like I'd been on the back foot. I felt like you know, I'd messed it up. And you know, I was kind of scrabbling for an answer. And I was blushing. But you see, the Spirit loves to rest on weakness. And I didn't realize it. But I think in some way, resurrection power was at work in me in that moment. Because I saw myself as messing it up. But all the senior people, for some reason, looked at it and they said, okay, here's a 22-year-old who's standing their ground in the pub on a Friday night with all their senior colleagues. We can work with that. I saw it in a completely different way. They gave me a job, and I'll never forget, a little while later, the CEO of the whole company coming into my office and saying, can I talk to you, thinking I was going to get fired. And he said, um, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, I, I, can I talk to you about your faith? I said, yeah. And he said, but do you actually believe? Because he said, this is the thing I've always struggled with. Do you actually believe Jesus rose bodily from the dead? And I was like, yeah, I, I do actually. He said, why? And I said, well, you know, I read witness statements for a living. I cross-examine witnesses for a living. And when I read the accounts, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' death and resurrection, I think, these are true. I said, and then I, I placed my trust in him, and I've met him, so I know he's alive. See, resurrection power will always push you into places where you can bear witness to Jesus. I felt weak. The Spirit displayed his strength. I was apprehensive. The Spirit was bold. I wasn't sure that was a great moment, but the Sovereign Spirit knew exactly what he was doing. And it's a little bit like this. I don't know if you've experienced this in life. Um, you know, you maybe start off in your job or your career or whatever, and, and you really want to make an impact. You think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to influence the culture. I'm going to change things for good. I'm going to push myself into it, and it's all going to work out well. And so you kind of dive into it, and you kind of think, I'm going to change the culture. Everything's going to be different because of me, and off we go, and da 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 And then what you find after a little time is actually you're trying to influence the culture, but actually it feels more like the culture is trying to influence you. And you make a few mistakes and you mess up in a few ways and you come away feeling a bit kind of tainted by it, actually. For like, I, was, I, was, I wanted to do the right thing, but now I feel a bit like I, I, I've kind of made mistakes. I, I feel like I've let God down. I feel it hasn't turned out the way I was hoping. And, and what we know is that when that happens, you can always come back to the Lord and you can say to him, look, I'm sorry I've messed up. I've made mistakes. Would you help me? Would you fill me afresh? And what the Spirit loves to do is to rush back in when we confess things. And just say, look, I'm here. And, and actually transform us and fill us with resurrection power. But if we stop there, then we've missed something. Because actually, the, the Spirit of God never fills you with the resurrection power just for you. The Spirit of God fills you with the resurrection power so that you might take it back into your workplace, back into your home, back into your community, back into your school, back into your university, and transform it so that people might see... That's resurrection power. That's resurrection power. I mean, look at the disciples. Jesus says to them, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. It's going to happen. It's not in doubt. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. And he wouldn't waste an ounce of your obedience. All nations. We're a house of prayer. For all nations. The prayers prayed here resound across the city. They resound across the nation. They resound across the nations. 
We're a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord has positioned us, placed us at this global crossroads. House of prayer for all nations. We're a house of salvation for all nations. We're a house of restoration for all nations. We're a house of healing for all nations. We're a house of resurrection power for all nations. That people from across the globe, across the city, across our communities might come here and be filled with resurrection power and go out and transform our communities. Go out and transform our city. Go out and transform the nations. Just think what's possible. Look at the disciples. It doesn't look likely. They're hiding. They're fearful. They're doubtful. They're few in number. They're isolated. They're cut off from networks of power and influence. They're in a very hostile environment. They're oppressed by perhaps the most powerful, one of the most powerful empires the world has ever seen. They're facing every disadvantage and obstacle you could possibly imagine. And they only have two things in their favor. They're sent by a risen Lord with resurrection power. They're sent by the risen Jesus who has taken the sin on the world on the cross, who has looked death in the face and defeated it, by whom all things were created and in whom all things hold together and sustains this very world by his breath, by his word. They're sent by a risen Lord with a promise they'll be closed with power from on high. Resurrection power. We're only a few. You're sent by the risen Lord with resurrection power. We face difficult opposition. You're sent by the risen Lord with resurrection power. Oh, it's a, a very difficult context, Ram. You're sent by the risen Lord with resurrection power. It's a confusing season for me. I don't make sense of it. You're sent by the risen Lord with resurrection power. It didn't, wake up, didn't work out the way I hoped and longed for it to. You're sent by the risen Lord with resurrection power. You're not here by accident. He's positioned you strategically for his purposes. You've been bought at a price. It's not going to waste you. It's not going to waste an ounce of your obedience. You've been sent by the risen Lord with resurrection power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand? And we're going to pray. Just want to encourage you, wherever you are right now, at home, uh, maybe you're sitting on a sofa, maybe you're just watching this in a park, just, just want to encourage you, maybe you just want to close your eyes and fix your thoughts on Jesus. Maybe if you'd like to, you don't have to, but maybe you'd like to hold out your hands like this, just as a sign you'd like to receive something from God today. I'm going to pray one of the oldest prayers of the church, it goes back centuries. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, you know every person listening right now. You know where they are. You know what they're doing. You know what we're facing. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask us that you would fill, Lord, we ask that you would fill us afresh with your resurrection power. It's that verse from Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. You might feel like a bruised reed because of what's happened in the last year. 
He's not going to break you. He's going to restore you and heal you. You might feel like a smoldering wick, like there's almost nothing left of the flame. What the Lord loves to do is to rush back in, to fan you back into flame. might be someone here and you've been wondering, you've been thinking actually I'd I'd quite like to place my trust in Jesus quite like to know that when the Lord Jesus returns as he will and I come face to face with him as you will that I have complete assurance that I know him and that he'll take me through death into eternal life And if that's you, it might be your first time here today. Maybe you've been watching online. Maybe you've just walked into the room at home and your friend is watching this. You're like, what's going on? And maybe someone invited you to watch it. Just encourage you right now in the quietness of your heart just to pray this prayer with me. Very simple prayer. Thank you, sorry, please. Lord, thank you that you came for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you that you rose for me. I'm sorry for the things I've got wrong, for my mistakes, my failures, my sin. Thank you that because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for me, I can know complete forgiveness and healing. And please, would you come into my life by your Spirit with that resurrection power I might live all my days to bring you glory.